everyone, it's Steve Maraboli. Thank you for checking out MMA and Beyond. Uh, we got a crazy week this week. Rays down in Vegas, inducting, of course, Matt Sarah into the UFC Hall of Fame. By the way, did you check out Matt Sarah's video of him subduing some drunken fool in Vegas? I love it. Jiu-Jitsu versus everybody. But anyways, Rays down in Vegas. I have the honor of being in uh, Florida this week. I was invited as a behavioral scientist to uh, create and shape what I hope to be the world's most effective and efficient addiction and recovery program. So I'm gone this week, Ray's uh, in Vegas. So we're setting up a best of. We've, we're over 20 episodes into the show. We have a lot of feedback everywhere from all over the world. A lot of five-star ratings on iTunes. So thank you all so much for sharing and listening. I thank you for on it. We picked up on it uh, as as a sponsor. We have other sponsors that are jumping on uh, shortly. Also, that we're just finishing up our deals with them. So we're really really honored. So check out a best of. Let other people know about the show. We're doing our best. Check out MMAandBeyond.com if you want to participate with the show with a topic, suggest a guest, ask a question, whatever it is. So check it out. I'm Steve Maraboli. Make sure you check out MMAandBeyond.com and find us online. Thanks again. I think it's always good to go back to some of those old magazines and see what was the trend back then and does it still hold up now? Liver pills, no, though. No. The guy with the dynamic <laughs> no, tension. You, man, that guy with it's funny. With, Charles Atlas, funny, was it? I'm, you probably agree with this. I know when I was younger, like really younger, like if you got hurt and sprained something, there was the heating pad, like right mm-hmm. away. Before know? ice, yes. Before ice. Without I'm, question. I'm correct yeah. on that, right? Totally. I mean, everybody had that shitty heating pad that <laughs> no, never no. worked. We were sticking it, our foot in toaster <laughs> ovens <laughs> back then. The second I sprained my ankle, we had no clue what we were yeah, doing. It's like, my back, yeah. get the toaster <laughs> oven, Tony. <laughs> now, we might need the microwave for this. But yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Right, you're to, right on. I mean, yeah, it is crazy how many times they just change shit. Yeah, like it's, back and forth. Oh, shit. I mean, heat doesn't work now after everything. We got to put ice on it. Well, contrast is good now, so we were half right. All right, give me the icing. Give me the icing. Give me the icing pad. Now I put ice in my heating pad and wrap it around my leg. Just in case they're going to change it again, general, I want to be ahead of the general curve. General confusion. Just invented in case, a new I, I gotta rehab th- protocol. Yeah, I love it. In, in case they're really going to change it five years from now, I'll be way ahead of the curve. They go back to heat. I've been doing it. Chris, Chris tomorrow's quote is, uh, I put ice in the heating pad. I think that might be it. Tendinitis thing. Ten, ten, tendinitis. And Mike, if you do it, wait for the ice to melt a little bit, then plug in the heating pad. You'll see it'll work wonders for you. It's going to be amazing. When you you were a child, what did you want to be when you grow up? Would you want to be something different now as an adult? If you could be anything, what would you be? I know this is going to be cliche, but I think I'm doing exactly what I want to do you know I really I wouldn't change anything seriously not even you know my education at St. John's and becoming an accountant I think that was all part of the process I think it really helped form who I was I'm really grateful I had you know like eight years in the corporate you know field so I understood that part of it and then, you know accounting's a great degree to have you yeah, get to see absolutely. a lot of stuff work with a lot of great people um yes yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm just grateful for 
for being healthy, and I'm, I think I'm doing exactly what I want to do, man. I love helping people. I love watching people accomplish their goals and being a part of it. And I've always loved fighting from day one. Loved the martial arts. I'll be a martial artist till the day I die. And uh, it's good stuff. I'm glad I found a way to make a living out of it and, you know, support a family and all that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting that you say about the accounting, and I know I've heard you say it before, and I know that we ever talked about it, but I... I can't help but create that correlation when I listen to you, the, the, the private conversations we've had about fight, fight training camps and that, and how you, you, it really is a, a recipe for you. It is a mathematical equation yeah, for yeah. you where you say, hey, this is right, this is right. And when you're not feeling so sure, it's because something's missing from the equation. No question. It's, and that's, that's that account mindset. That's yeah. very interesting. And there's certain people like, you know, that I train that, man, we had to do the same. We had to really go through the same routines so they felt good. Like, if, right. you know, you do it so often and you're successful, successful the second that you stop, like, why don't we do that again? You know what I mean? Like, just to <laughs> change it up. But so just as a confidence builder, that's why I say I really like, you know, that hard physical training because I think it's, I mean, you almost get to the, you know, you got to go through the physical door to get to the spiritual door. So it's yeah, almost sure. like that Navy SEAL train. You got to be brought to a different spot. So you're that much harder to break, you know, in actuality. And, uh, you know, these guys are funny, man. When you don't really do the right thing, they, they understand that. And they, it's, a, it's a comfort zone for them to really train their asses off. You know, powerful. And, 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 and for me, it's, it's a, yeah, I love what I do. I love that I've committed myself to, to this. But what I love the most is the situation I'm in. I think I, I, I learned young uh, being in the military that I learned, you know, put yourself in good situations. And so for me, it's, the career is not as important as the situation I'm in. And for me, it's, it's building a life in which, you know, I listen to all these people say, I can't wait to go on vacation, you know, yeah. in June, you know, like, holy, like you're on, you're living an on hold life until June. Like you're just going through the motions saying that same crap, different day kind of mindset. And for me, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm doing this now. I've been go do in yeah. uh, companies, but if I wanted to go sell oranges off the Long Island Expressway tomorrow, I can do that too. And my life wouldn't change at all. And, and so I think creating those type of situations puts you in the power of, 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 that, of opportunities. You can't ask for more than no, that. No, you're you kidding me. Go, me. You don't ever go on vacation. I'm like, no, I'm on vacation. Like right now, <laughs> a, I, this is a vacation. I go on vacation yeah. all over the world and I, <laughs> I come back with money in my pocket and they say, thank you, no less. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And, and I know how important it is. I'm a first generation American. You know, my, my, my mom and dad came here and they came here when they were building the World Trade Center. I, I got to post this picture. I found, I came across it again. My, my dad, uh, posing, uh, by the World Trade Center when, when one was built and the other That's half crazy. was only built. And then uh, later on with my mom, when she came here, uh, both were built, but uh, neither of them were completed on the siding yet. So it was just steel built. Uh, yeah, funny. it's just awesome. Um, and so I watched my, my parents work their asses off to, you know, work their asses off to stay poor, you know, basically. Oh, and, uh, and, and so creating uh, opportunities and, and, and situations. Still, I'm sure they were grateful. I think oh, we, I think we my, need a little more of that today. I my think parents, we are, man. We are really going trending in the wrong direction. Work man. ethic, man. Oh man. I, I, I tell my parents, my, my dad was shining shoes in the city where, where, where he grew up uh, third world country, shining shoes in the city at eight years old. Uh, you know, go tell that guy you're tired. 
yeah. <laughs> go, yeah. go tell that guy you you don't feel like going to work. And so, you know, that kind of work ethic I'm grateful for. But creating that situation uh, is huge. Before I came here, my uh, my youngest guy and my, my brother uh, came over and we were watching the WWE elimination, right? The first... This first is professional, professional wrestling. wrestling. The old WWF, WWE, now WWE. And it's the... It's the chamber elimination, the first time I did it with the women. And I'm watching it, and I said to my brother, do you remember, um, like, Sensational Sherry when they first started coming out? The fabulous moolah. The fabulous moolah. But, you know, what the women are now, I mean, how athletic they are, and it's just a completely different game. So I think in the MMA world, these these girls are unbelievable athletes. It's not, you know, just rock them, sock them. I mean, they have skills, and, and I think that it's... um. I think it's great for the sport. Yeah, I think so. And adding that dimension, and, you, and even Ronda, the how big she was, how dominant she was, and then recognizing that she was, you know, it, it adds to the intellect of, of, of mixed martial arts, and I, I wish Ray was back here for this, but how actually, how much strategy is actually involved? Where you have a Ronda who was seemingly unbeatable, that that the the original Rubik's cube, right? And then as soon as someone figured it out, they realized there's a formula for this, right? And they just knew the formula. And then a couple of people just followed the formula. They weren't even stressing about it anymore. Like, yeah. oh, this is a you just have to do this. It's exactly what they did. Beat her every time. And and uh, it was interesting to watch the women's game hop in leaps and bounds you know it took the the men's game it took years and years and years of course to develop to adjust to it was a kind of a a kind of a darwinism within the right. mma for men where the women's leaped right away you had this dominant dominant uh judo practitioner with a killer arm bar she was like the gracie in the first she one. was incredible like no one could right and then once you figured out add dimensions to this holly home which said simple Keep her hips away from me. Don't let her bring her hips close to mine, and I'm going to be okay. And she actually absolutely did. Another thing about team and mindset was Rhonda had these people around her that were telling her she's invincible. Invincible. Yeah, they, yeah. They, I remember seeing an interview at one time where they were telling her, oh, you, you, she would do well against a Mayweather. That's how great of a fighter she is. And, and, and no, nobody around her was telling her, hey, you need to, to work on, uh, on your hands. You need to work on this. And Holly Holm went in there and said, let me just keep her hips away from me. And, and with that distance, I'm going to light her face up. Yeah. And that was it. It was just figuring out that the, the mathematics of, of, be, of beating her. And that was actually helpful to not only women's game, but the men's game, of recognizing how important it is to have all these dimensions. But I think right at fighting. that point in time, she was kind of starting to transition she was doing film. I mean, and right. If you can make as times, much money just talking on camera instead of getting punched and kicked in the yeah. face, I, I can't blame her. But I think I even Ray, you were saying, you know, that when you have, if you're training for a fight and you're distracted because you're all over the world doing films, I mean, it just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not, not in this sport. You're not getting away with it for sure. We have, and I'm glad that we have uh, Fight Shape Ricci here. We we ask this question and we 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 allude to it. Uh, do we really have to wait for someone to die in the UFC for the rules to change in weight cutting? Oh, uh, that's old Tony. Well, I tell oh, you. Well, here, oh, here it is. He's <laughs> Hello, adjusting. he's adjusting. Go. That, means, that means I'm leaving. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Ray, Ray Ray has to go potty. There you go. Ray Ray go potty. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so now you know. <laughs> USC. Someone heavy gotta question. Die. Yeah, heavy question. The the question I think, Steve, though, is what do we you know, where do we move the rules to then? Um what are the solutions to that? First You got it, one championship uh who's who's one championship, yeah, with the broader spacing in the and in, in the classes, correct? Right, right, right. Broader spacing, and they have uh, cancellations. If you're not making, you're you're you have to make weight. You can't have uh, dramatic fluctuations. Uh, athletes are required to compete basically at their walk around weights. Right, right. And so, uh, can can the UFC do something like that? It's not easy. Is it I in mean, their interest to do something like that? My guess is probably. Tough for me to say because I don't run the UFC. I don't know what their interest is. I don't know their books. I don't know their financials. You know, it could jeopardize some matches. It can promote new matches. But here's the thing. Um, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You, in, in, I get it. You're, you're a 24-year-old, 25-year-old fighter. You fight hard. You eat well. You bust your hump. You've probably been, some guys have been wrestling since they're 9, 10. They're already tired. They're already burnt out. They want to fight, they have a hard camp, and then they go to Acapulco for two months and drink like fish and, and eat horribly. And that's what's got to stop. I am not saying that there are not challenges in the weight-cutting practices and the weight-cutting procedures, but we are, there are systematic strategies you can use to keep the procedure quite rational. And there has to be caps within the camp. And what I mean by caps is, you know, we got to know. I mean, when, when, if you got a 185-pound fighter, even if they don't ever fight, but there's something potentially there in three months, four months, five months, there's got to be a ceiling. You hit 208, you hit 209, we stop. We keep it there. Uh, there are so many ways to monitor this, but what it does, it requires that the fighter practice certain behaviors. We're going back to that behavior. Round. That's what it is. This is not The danger in the weight cut is not the danger in the cut. It's the danger in not preparing for the cut. Okay, so we can formulate. I do this with all the guys on the team. And Ten weeks out, I know exactly how much body fat they have on them. I know exactly what body fat they fought at the previous fight. So I know how much we got to take off. I know how many pounds and how long we can it takes take, how, about how long it's going to take. It's not perfect, but we have a projection. Simultaneously, I can also predict, hey, if we take off 14 pounds of fat, we may lose two or three pounds of muscle. That's consistent right then here's where their water level is here how much water we can safely pull this is not a practice that is god awful what's god awful is when they're starting the weight cut coming in at 25 30 pounds up and trying to pull that in two three weeks well because again you go back to and this is this is my world where you're you're not only changing a diet you're changing a behavior so that means you're Probably they say twenty one, which is complete horseshit. You're you're more like thirty days away from establishing even a new behavior. Right, so your right, your okay. your body's not only adjusting to the physiological response to a new diet, but it's also adjusting to the psychological response of a new behavior. Got it. Yep. I don't know that fighters think about that. No, they probably and that's that's an, a wonderful point. And the problem with eating is, you know, we got to do it five or six times a day. It's actually fun. Bad food feels good and tastes good. Right. So that's very difficult to get a fighter to commit to that on any behalf. But there are strategies in which we can implement that. We're not saying that I, I am not one that thinks if you're a middleweight at 185 pounds, you need to be walking around at 191 year round. 
You absolutely don't. But we have to keep things in check and there are certain behaviors, certain training practices that could be done that, by the way, are not extremely intense, okay, that allow the body to rest simultaneously. If you integrate three or four of the right strategies in between fights, the cut itself should not be that drastic. And it should be relatively safe. On the other end, we also inherently assume that if somebody is 185 and fights at 215, that they're going to perform better. Well, that's... That's not a, a given either. It may right. be unfair to the fighter who's fighting at 205. It may be an advantage because if that fighter had a camp in which they were training at 205, 208, most of that camp and performing beautifully, this is something Ray and I try yeah, to do. Yeah, what the is the weight throughout camp? Right. They are optimal and they're marrying speed, power, strength, endurance. And we look at that weight and we try to target it. Well, if that fighter was fighting wonderfully at 208, throughout camp and they go up to 216, we inherently assume that's an advantage. It may not be. They're probably going to gas relatively rapid. They may lose some, now they'll have more power, but they may lose endurance. They may lose speed. So the two ways to look at this, I think, regarding the weight cut is, and I know it's hard. It's easier for me to say, but you know what? I practice it every day. Right. I, I, I have to do it too at, at an old age if I want to have a 29 30 inch waist all right we all have to do it so if the right behaviors are there the cut should never be life-threatening and then inherent is i have no issue with the ufc saying if you're an 85 or we don't want you more than 206 that's up to them that may not be a bad concept but we also have to realize too not everyone's doing themselves justice right. from 85 to 215 they may be hindering their performance as well And you're listening to the best of MMA and beyond. Sometimes the show is insightful. Sometimes it's hilarious. Sometimes we're ridiculous. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you check out MMAandBeyond.com. And while this is the best of, we will be back with a live episode next week. Uh, Deborah in New Hampshire. Hi, Steve. I had the pleasure of meeting you at the National Behavioral Science Conference last year. Could you please ask Ray Longo, is he ever, if he ever laments advice he had given a fighter, perhaps advice that inadvertently had an adverse impact on a fight's result or a fighter's career? I thought that was a great question. That's a great okay, question. It's heavy. Can somebody please define laments? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I'm definitely not perfect. I've had a lot of flubs. Uh, I'd have to have time to think about something, but there's, I've made a, a shitload of mistakes. So I know that it's in there somewhere. Nothing's coming to my mind because I have the ability to dismiss all my mistakes immediately. <laughs> uh, I'm a dismissal expert. So. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think Matt will tell you a funny story. I think it was uh, the only fight I didn't go with him. It was uh, Eves Edwards, I think, because 9-11 just happened. And my wife, I had two young girls, and my, everybody was in a state sure. of friends. I, I, I said, I just can't do it to him. I got to stay back. And he had just come off the uh, loss to uh, Shoney Carter. Mm -hmm. So now going up against Eve Edwards, who at the time was really one of the top guys around and was was for a long time great fighter. And you see he's a great analyst. Uh, he was leaving. I think I drove him to the airport. He was getting on the plane. He goes, so what's the game plan? <laughs> he goes, what's the game plan? He goes, you're the coach. What are you talking about? What's the game? You know, but I was so absolutely so worried. And I, I, that's the only fight I was not there. And I watched on TV and I almost had a heart attack just watching that fight. There were some close moments, but he got the victory. And but I don't know. But that's not not that that answers your question. But again, I'm not perfect. I will think about it, and I'll I'm sure I'll come up with something. But that always, 
comes out in my head that he tells that story when I dropped him off at the airport. And I, I go, what's the <laughs> game plan? He goes, you're, you're fucking kidding me. What's the game plan? You're the coach. How are you asking me what the game plan is? And there's probably a lot of what you were saying, even with that weight cutting scenario or even coffee on your end table. It's yeah, yeah. it's now that you look back, oh, wow, it, everything worked out okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that might have not been the best yeah, yeah. decision-making skills. Like, again, I know I've made a, shit, uh, like a lot of mistakes, but uh, for the most part, everything was has been positive, but uh, we'll think about that. It's funny, because last night I did an interview for Newsday with Mark LaMonica, and while we were talking about this, I said, you know what, it just hit me out of nowhere. I was like... I have the answer to this. And this, I think, is I really want to, you know, promote this because I think it's huge. But, look, the UFC, they have a great performance institute. They mm -hmm. put a lot of money. How many top-notch people do they have? the greatest in the world. Exactly. It's here's a what, sharp place. So here's, here's, the, here's the solution. They start a supplement company. The UFC starts a hundred percent. UFC supplements. You have to use those supplements. That's it. We take this off the table. There's no more I want to clear my name and the supplement was bad. Hey, you know what? Put together. I don't think that's a big expense compared to what they've done. Have a supplement company. These are the, these are the, what do you want? Protein powder, branch chain aminos. So exclusive UFC supplement company for while you're in training camp? Hey, or no, just but any, while you're you under it. contract exactly. with UFC? This is it. What, what, what do you want? You want right. supplement? I mean, what are they using? I don't think that's a big deal. Now you know nothing can happen. Right. You know, put Navinsky, or, let him monitor the, mm -hmm. the supplement company. If something company. does happen, it's under their watch and say, exactly. we got this. And we know it's one bullshit our, at that point. One, one of right. our companies, you know. I mean, whatever. they did have a deal with, uh, I think it was Zions at the time. In the beginning, I, then Muscle right. Farm. Right, right. So I think this is the solution. Yeah. You get one supplement company. This is what you use for the fighters. They control everything else, right? They want to control the, the Avid, the Reebok, the, the performance and everybody. This is a no-brainer. Yeah, you I, start I like a supplement yep. company. Now, yeah. what happens when the guy says that there's no more tainted supplements? Right. You know, the quality assurance procedures through through National Science Foundation or GMP, uh, good manufacturing. Right they're I mean, all there. No, you can regulate that and, and, and be very I, mean, I, I think that would be a huge thing. Quality we take that yeah. off the table. Now, what are you going to say? Now, what happened? Now, it can't be a tainted supplement. Oh, here's the you know, bottom line, Rady. Like your even point. like Victor Conte, what did he say? Like he he suspected John Jones was mega was microdosing on uh, mm -hmm. testosterone, and he got a bad batch because they don't clean the batches right. So you know, in my head, I'm envisioning the scene out of Narcos where they're making the coke out in the jungles. Like I think this is where he goes to get his. His TRT and yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. those guys don't look like they're too <laughs> conscious about. Hey, let's clean up the uh, vats. You know, when now uh, coming. You know what I mean? This is horrible. This is the solution. Start the company. This is where you get your supplements. Period. You know what? And here's why that is a great idea. Because, and again, you're not never going to get. Let me make this clear. We talked about it last yeah. week. I went on a tirade about yeah. it. But you're never going to get the same results as you will from an RX. Uh, however. Whey protein, creatine, beta alanine, fish oils, uh, at, uh, during caloric deprivation, potentially the, the branch chain aminos, if, if the fighter isn't eating as much, like, you aggregate those supplements used properly, and you're going to get a, some pretty darn good results. Yeah. You're going to get good recovery results. You can get improved power. Uh, you can even enhance. It's a neuroenergetic, the creatine. Uh, potentially even beta out. In better words, you you really can enhance performance and recovery through good supplementation and good diet. Right. Is it going to mimic TRT? It it's not. 
I'm going to tell you straight out, nothing does, despite the fact that some people say it does. But the point is, and not only is Ray making a good point regarding the quality assurance, yeah. but you can get 30 to 40 percent of some of that benefit safely I'm just with saying, OTC right? supplements. Put the, put the money, put the money to a really good use, man. I like the. I idea. mean, I, how a natural continuation from creating the the institute. I, I, of course. What else would you want? Now, that, that is not a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. If you took another supplement, you got to answer why now. Yeah. And even you see from the UFC's saying? Like, point of view as a corporation, yeah. what an incredible step that would be to clean up the sport. I think that's a huge thing. You yeah, heard it I, here I on so. MMA and Beyond, ladies <laughs> yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, no, I that, think it's that, wonderful. That'll probably be my only contribution <laughs> of the night. But that hit me yesterday, and I'm like, wow. And I think it was because I, I had this thought of science at the time, which – they had something to do with, but this is the answer. Forget about making money off it. Doesn't have to be that, you know. It could just be an expense that I'm sure they're not making money with the, you know. I don't know what they're doing with the Performance Institute. I haven't seen it, it yet, it, but that looked like a big undertaking. This cannot be a big deal. If if they were to figure out how to create and to ensure through quality control supplements that the fighters use and keep them and it's maintain them the clean table, without Steve. them being it's, it's done it it's would off be the table. incredible it would be newsworthy it would be it would be a, a benchmark for other organizations absolutely the ufc yeah. would benefit tremendously from that and the fighters as well for the, for the for the ones who want to honestly enhance themselves cheaters are always going to cheat yeah. But, but, but they're gonna have to find another way. They're gonna have gonna, to find another way. And you know way. what? And as and as, UFC would be able to call the, bullshit. As, that's right. And as crazy as human nature is, I almost want to do it just to see what they come up with because it's gonna be bizarre. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, they're yeah, coming yeah, exactly. up. You know they're coming up with something. As soon as, well, yeah. as soon as somebody listens to yeah. your your proposal yeah. tonight, somebody else oh, is gonna yeah. try oh, to figure out. Oh, they're already working on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, in case long goes right, and <laughs> yeah. this does go to Oh yeah, this is bad. Yeah. Sudden influx of UFOs. Let's start. Let's start snorting the Cialis again. Holy crap. Crap! There's I mean, abductions. another guy. It's just another guy. Want to clear my name? I can't I, wait till my name gets cleared. <laughs> I mean, they tested 17 supplements. Nothing came back with anything in it. And this is where the story, or I don't understand. I don't understand the idea of a retroactive stoppage. And of course, well, for, as a casual viewer, for me, I saw a referee who who didn't choose to stop it. Who right. didn't stop it? Regard Bruce and it was Buffer, right there. And Bruce he was Buffer right there. said, "Hey, you know, the winner of this fight by stoppage." But it wasn't. the The right. bell stopped it. So, yeah, well, was he submitted or was he TKO'd? For me, the fight was over. Something I'd like. That was a TKO. That's what they called it. They did. Once the fight's over, how do you retroactively call something? And that's that's the 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 issue I had with it. I know that here in our notes to our great producers, Ariel Hawani spoke with and. New Jersey State Athletic Commission's Nick Lembo, and he's and he, uh, to explain it. And he said, you can't be saved by the bell, even in the final round. At the end of the fight, and yes, after the bell, Marab, Marab lost consciousness, so the loss is a TKO due to technical sub. Yeah. Marab was out. It was very clear to those cage side. Was, I was, was not he out 10 seconds after the bell, one second after That's the bell. That's what I'm saying. If that variable out, well, changes what if, everything. What if you go out a minute after the bell? Then they, do they go back and change the decision? <laughs> Retro- like, retroactive. I mean, stop this is a, this is a rule I mean. that I, in boxing makes sense. Mm-hmm. You get knocked down, and there's five seconds to go, and you got to survive the 10 count because that's a rule. Yep. And then if you can't, you can't get up, that fight, the bell didn't save you. That makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. This is MMA. This isn't that. This isn't that. You know, and again, you have, you know, this 
dictatorship that wants to just fucking impose their, like a bully almost. Like now the ref calls it off and they got to scramble to come up with a narrative to fit what the guy did. It's just, it's the same shit all over again. You know, so. and But where's the accountability? Where, there's, where no, is... there's no accountability. There never is. Have we ever seen anybody accountable anywhere? Right. You know, it kind of stinks because, uh, you know, I, I, just, I really It don't hinders know. the viability of, of the sport's growth in, in, in there, some there's, ways. There's a reason why uh, the UFC hasn't been in Jersey in the last couple of years, and, and that's the reason right there, what you saw, because somebody should man up and say, look, we made a mistake. It, this is clear. I mean, who determined that he was out? Because he was laying on the floor? Who I, determined that? I, I could tell you right now, looking and at he's him. He's saying from Kate's side it was obvious. There's there's a thousand other people said it wasn't obvious. Not, yeah, So course. who the fuck are you? Exactly. You know what I mean? That's the problem. And how does the, the position statement or stand yeah. come out from somebody who wasn't in the game? Exactly. A hundred percent exactly. How the does that was there. If he was out, why wouldn't you have stopped him? <laughs> the closest guy to them chose not to stop right. it. And I, when I went to ask him, you know, uh, when I went to ask uh, Liam... Uh, Kerrigan, I think his name is. Uh, just tell me what you take on what I, I'm not allowed to talk. I go, not allowed to talk based on what? He goes, Nick Limbo won't let me talk. Oh, the dictator. Imagine like trying to grab Adolf Hitler and making him like, you know, people are fearful. This guy wields a lot of power and they're shitting in their pants. They don't even want to talk. He won't let me talk. I go, that's the type of job you want where you can't even speak? Please. I mean, what are we in Nazi Germany? I mean, it's a fucking joke. And it and it's clear. But Mark Goddard was allowed to talk. Why was he allowed to talk? But Liam couldn't. Talk? Mark Goddard did talk, and what he said, Mark Goddard says, I think it was pretty clear at the end of the fight, maybe even before when the bell sounded, the Marab he was out. He was actually out, and in that instance, it's like any other instance. If you pick up a rear naked choke or guillotine. The fact that he drifts into unconsciousness was actually, it should be recorded as a submission, technical submission. Now, all of this makes sense in a theory, theoretical world. The fight we saw, the bell rang and it ended the fight. There is no way, as someone who specializes in consciousness, yeah. there's no way you can know at what point that exactly. happened. Exactly. There you and go. And so, therefore, well, Mark Goddard said he had, he, I think he told me, and Mark, if you're listening, you could... Say I'm right or wrong. He he has an autistic mind. Does that make sense to anybody? And that oh. he knew that he was unconscious. Who Trust has me. An autistic mind? Mark Goddard told me he had an autistic he, he, mind. Unless he had an fMRI machine connected, yeah, right? Then that's the only way you could know. By looking at him, you can't. The referee made the decision. The fight ended. They should have went to a decision in which we now know Marab would have won a split decision. Sorry, I don't but, want to harp on this. Forgive me. Because he has an autistic mind, he's able to. to Determine, determine as to whether or not yeah. he's out. Yeah, those legs were moving because he said he was trying to remove the hooks, but then there were no hooks. But Rob said he was never even trying to remove any hooks. He just wanted to keep moving yeah, his legs because he he got a stinger and and his left arm went numb. And who had the autistic mind? I'm sorry. No, like, Mark Goddard said he Mark had, he Mark yeah, himself And if I'm wrong one. on that again, but I believe he said autistic mind. I don't care yeah. what kind of mind he has. I All promise, right, I Mark yeah, Goddard yeah, yeah, or anyone yeah, else looking at that has no way of knowing. Uh, oh, they know What you guys don't realize, they know everything. No, uh, well, yes, well, they know. rule on everything, and that's it, I, it, I it's a believe, shame because you see. I don't believe Nick Lumbo's ever been wrong in his life. <laughs> I think that's and I, we should get the Guinness <laughs> Book of World if, Records. If, if people uh, are scared to talk, no, hundred percent scared to talk. I'm not doubt, allowed to talk. I highly doubt that his his fallibility is ever in question. I'm telling you, it's Nazi Germany over there. 
I hate to interrupt. We got a, this is a first. I got Matt Sarah calling and he demands to be on the show. I don't change the show. Let me tell you about. something. This is what I'm talking That's about. That's what we're talking about. You're here with uh, Steve Maraboli, uh, uh, Tony Ricci, Dr. Sherry, and Empty Resig. Uh, is, is this MMA and Beyond? <laughs> <laughs> sure is. Yeah, oh, this is, is it, brother. buddy. Listen, we gave you a lot of props tonight, like we always do. Are you... Listen, I'm not going to lie. I, I listen to this podcast, and I just I go through it until I hear my name. <laughs> I hear some props about me in the Hall of Fame, and then I check right the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, and I actually – And I saw you I, – no, I actually just saw your list looking for a fight. It was great. Oh, thank you so much. Dana White looking for a fight on YouTube. Cabo. Listen, I'm going to say happy Father's Day oh. to everybody. And happy Father's Day to a great father. And I'm not just saying that because we're on the podcast. Well, I kind of yes. am, am, but you are a great yeah. father, and that's one of the things I love about you. But I'll cover that in the speech in a couple of weeks, uh, buddy. Oh, man, I, ho I hope you're freaking working on that. I want to say a huge congrats to Steve. Look at this. Yeah, brother. Look at that. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> no, I, th I think that's great I think that was great that he did it He's happy awesome. He plays Ah man, feels amazing brother It's it's uh, it's something I engaged in later in life man I've got, I'm surrounded by a great team A lot of your guys And um, it, you know it's it's. I've got the jujitsu bug brother I mean it's it's. You, you, I think about it when I'm driving I think about it when I'm sleeping I, I can't wait to continue to compete And, and get better Yeah, aside from military combat itself, it's uh, the, uh -huh. the first time I'm, I, I do a jiu-jitsu tournament. I wrestled all through middle school and high school. Um, oh, you did wrestle? Yeah, I wrestled through middle school and high school. And, um, and uh, I, 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 I think I've told you before, I got, I got annihilated by a kid named Nicolosi from your school when I was oh, in high wow, school. Oh, you wrestled Sergio? I got, no, no, Sergio wrestled, <laughs> he, he used me as a wrestling dummy until he got enough points where they stop it. Um, but yeah, when I was, uh, when I was, I guess, 17 or so, I was one of uh, Nicolosi's wrestling dummies, and I never forgot it I because it. it was so I, embarrassing. You never told me that because that, that's a, actually a great friend of Matt's, and he uh, trained at the school. Uh, so embarrassing, man. I'll never forget it. Yeah. No, 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 no. When, go ahead. When you lived in the basement. When I lived in the basement of my basement of my Ismetto school, I used to wake up at, at 6 in the morning, throw some water on my face, go right upstairs, and Sergio would meet me. Because he has to go to work early. He's in, like, the corporate world. So he'd meet me early, and we'd, we'd do our wrestling at, like, 6, uh, six in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And I'd just go back down, go to sleep, and... Uh, uh, let me tell you some, sir. Sir, yeah, that's a, you never told me. When Sergio, we were in high school, this is 1992. I am one of the people, one of the many people he teched that year. Yeah, yeah, no, Sergio, yeah. Sergio was a juggernaut. He was supposed to have his. He, he we went to a fight in Jersey. His guy weighed eight pounds over, so they canceled the fight. His next fight, I'll never forget. He calls me. He goes, "Can I borrow the gym?" I go, "Of course." He brought down. I forget who he brought down. Uh, but next thing I know, he was in Texas getting neck surgery, so he had a miss. Something happened. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, seriously. Yeah. I, I think it was. I think it was Willis too that he brought down another it's guy. Kenny Willis. Kenny Willis. Yeah. So. Okay. 
Yeah, they gave, yeah, they gave him the gym to use, and that's the next thing I know. He popped the disc, and he went for that surgery, and that was it for him. But he was dying to fight. He was great energy in the gym. He was a juggernaut, man. He didn't stop. So what fast, he what man. he what he lacked in technique, man. He made up with heart. That guy. Yeah. And what a oh, nice guy, though, Matt. He was always a good dude guy. and a great yeah. guy. Yeah, that, that you never told me that, man. Yeah, yeah. One I, of my I, fa one of my favorite people. I can't say I'm great friends with him, but the little time I spent with him, East I loved Meadow, him. He's Meadow, man. Everyone, I, I wrestled for Port Washington, so anytime we were doing East Meadow, uh, it was a uh, it was a nightmare to see who was gonna wrestle that guy. Yeah. Two. Alright, man. That's Two, awesome. man. Did I Um I I feel like I could have handled it a little better. I I uh I think that um I, I burnt out a little bit. I had I had some good coaching with that, but I, I burnt out a little more than I should have. I was training six five minute rounds. Uh, so I shouldn't yeah. have, I shouldn't have been as tired as I was after two minutes. Uh, you know, it, it got to me. That's absolutely normal. It's right. absolutely normal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all these tournaments, you know, you, you know, two matches. And how long were the matches? How long was the time period? Five minutes. Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem like much. But then again, people look at a mixed martial arts fight, they go, that's only three fives. It doesn't seem like 15 minutes. That's not a big deal. But people have no idea. And by you going in that tournament, literally, it's the equivalent of three months of training, at least. Because the intensity that people come at you, it's just a different, it's just something different than you're feeling even in, in Everyday class. Yeah, and so it's, that's gonna really help you out. And and, and you you make the psychological journey. you make the psychological adjustments. There's things I, I was just talking about before where, I I had I had one guy in the finals. I, I had him, and I know Matt that I knew exactly what I was gonna do. I knew what position I had him in. I was I was a one leg swoop away from from an arm lock, and I remember thinking to myself, if I go for this. And I don't get it. I'm just spent completely, and this guy's gonna own me for the next two minutes. And Matt, I didn't go for it, and he Americanaed me. That's never ah, gonna happen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never gonna happen well, again. I have. I have. Sometimes you have those laces out moments. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that stays with you, man. The same shit happens in class, but it's not that intensified. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and, the, and the beautiful thing is that you recognize it, and because you recognize it, you'll make that adjustment oh, that much easier. Oh, right? When I yeah. tell you, it's never yeah. happening to yeah. me again. And that's why sometimes defeat leads to growth, and that's a perfect example of it. Damn right, because yeah. I have plenty of defeat. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> guys, listen, i got to jump. I'm, I'm about to get home. I'm, I was at Ciro's for Father's Day. Awesome. I tell you, you look great in the pictures, buddy. You really look yeah, like you're shrunk. Thank you, thank you so yeah. much. And the last looking for a fight. You motivated me. Wow. Your, your, your birthday montage motivated me. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that 61. Next time I'm in studio with you guys. Please, anytime. Hey, listen, I could see 61 with doing sticky hands together. I feel it. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I was doing that with Ronnie Chang the other day. Yeah, that's awesome, We're man. Chung. Chang, hey, Chung. Chung. Chang, Chung. Chang, Chung. <laughs> I'll see you guys. All right, thanks I so much, Matt. Hey, buddy, thanks, Later, thanks, man. Sherry, Stevie, did I forget anybody? Yeah, uh, you forgot empty Resig, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Later, yeah. Thank you, brother. Oh, he said he missed you. Did you yeah, say you I, missed yeah, Mike? We're supposed to go to dinner. We're, we're, supposed to dinner. we're supposed to go to dinner. He said he knows Ralph Macchio. Does that oh, mean anything Christ. to you? Tell him I took hot yoga and I feel great. 
<laughs> he said he loved him in Crossroads. <laughs> of course, Robert Johnson, yeah, the guitar player. Yeah, because I. Oh, shit. It had a guitar in it. Beautiful. All right, take it easy. Thanks, man. All right, bye. Let's do one more uh, fight one before we get to uh, uh, non-fight questions. But Rebecca in Seattle asks, why isn't there a rule that throwing in a towel stops the fight? Is there not a rule that throwing in a towel stops the fight? Uh, in boxing, there is. That's really a good question. I think if you throw in the – I think the corner can definitely stop the fight. But I'm not sure about that. We have to, <laughs> we have to check the, check the what rules. Was the, what was the fight – that was recently where someone got out punched like oh, yeah. 200 the, something uh, to three girl, Valentina. Yeah. So they didn't throw in a towel. No, but you know what? I heard something similar. Was it, um, was it, uh, was it when Chris was fighting Rockhold? Yeah. They, they questioned me on that. And I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, you know, here's, here's the deal. And uh, you know, you have to have a relationship with you guys, but when, Matt fought Carol Parisi, and he had two torn meniscuses. So we had to cut down the cardio for that fight. And, you know, we took a shot early. And if you go back and look at that fight, he almost knocked Carol out in the first round. And then I'm going to say another ref could even have stopped it, but they didn't. Matt ends up gassing out. Now, normally I would know what his training was like, you know, if we were doing the hills or whatever we are doing. But I know we we cut corners for that fight. So I remember going to him because he was he was gassed bad, uh, and I think I said to him for the first time, "You want me to stop the fight?" I think he threatened to kill me. I really do. I mean, so this is what people don't get, like you know. And I know if he didn't do it in there, <laughs> right. we definitely had the conversation after the fight, and he said, "Never ever stop the fight. Never. I don't wow. give a crap. Yeah, never ever." So I think that's the mentality of these guys. And unless I saw something really, really bad, I, you know, I would overrule that. But for the most part, you know, that's what the ref is in there for. He's right on top of the action. And I, I think that's another good point is like sometimes not having a family member in there, you know, because they, you see a dynamic. That, sure. That's a totally different thing. You know what I mean? Because now you're seeing your brother or your, your, your son, and uh, man, I'll never forget Aljo had a rough night the other night, but his brother Troy and these guys are always arguing and bickering. But I'll tell you what, and I think I told this to Aljo, I go, that kid was shooken up, man. That that almost killed me and Matt looking at him. Matt was really like kind of upset about it. And, uh, you know, it was rough for everybody, but Troy really took that hard. And I said, you know, all the bullshit you guys go through, man. What I saw in that kid when you got hurt was... You better treasure that, man, because that was that was for real, you know. So, uh, but and I'm, I'm, I might have went off on a tangent, but I, the other the point is, you're in a you're in the hurt business, man. So sometimes having a family member <laughs> isn't the best thing you could do because there's too much emotion in there. You know what I mean? When things get get rough, but uh, you know, hopefully the refs you know do their job, and then you just you know abide by that. But uh, I I've been you know they gave. Kind of quizzed me on the, you know, I got social media stuff with uh, the Rockhold fight, but, you know, these guys really don't want the fight being stopped, at least my guys, for sure. Well, they, they put so much time, they put so much time into training, and it, their, their heart is in there, and a lot of the fighters do have, like, like you know, the die yeah. on your, 
Diet. Yeah, and and the yeah. other thing is, like, you know, I'm training them. So I, I've seen them in the gym. I've seen them come back. Right, you know when stuff. they're in trouble, you, right? You kind of know. So that's what nobody else knows. But you do get a sense of that. And, you know, you know, sometimes I'm watching a fight and it's it's such a mismatch that there are times I believe the ref should stop and say, it's just the guy has no chance of winning. Like, why even let him? Right. Okay, he's surviving, but it's he's got no chance of coming back. I think it's pretty clear. And that's a tough decision to make, but I think we're going to see more of that. But I'm trying to think of the fight I just saw where they just should have stopped it because the other guy was never going to win that fight. You know, and I don't know. You, you really save a guy from a lot of unnecessary damage. You know? A, a local Long Islander, so I get there, Jessica Ev- Evans. She writes in through our MMA and Beyond.com site. She writes, uh, "What's the best piece of advice you've received, uh, and and what's the best advice you have for for life in in general?" I'll start with you, MT Resig. I'll tell you a great great piece of advice that I got. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I was a when I was a young man, I had an older cousin, and I was uh, uh, I remember I was I was uh, dating my wife. And we were talking about it. He says, Mike, I'm going to tell you something. He says, what you don't like about her now will never get better. If you're lucky, it'll stay the same. But most likely, it'll get worse. Mm. And if you can live with that, and you love this woman, that is the person. And I will say for my wife that she is absolutely the best. There is nothing that, uh, that she does that, uh, that upsets me. And I love you, my sweetheart. There you go. You know what? I got to go. That is really nice because uh, I don't think I could ever feel that way. Uh, So (laughs) I I think that's outstanding. Poor Jean Marie. Really is very nice. Truly. Poor Jean Marie. Sweetheart. Jean Marie, my condolences. (laughs) Brendan, what you got, brother? Good advice? advice? Yeah. That I've gotten? Sure. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. My mom advised me to lose some weight, and my dad advised me that I move out of the house. <laughs> That's the best I think advice. We've all got Fight, Jake. Uh, best advice was not from a person. We're it was sharing a, with Jessica from yeah. Mineola, New York. Yeah, good question, Jessica. Um, it was on the back of an oatmeal packet. I was. <laughs> it's quite profound, actually. I was, oh, I guess about nine years old. I grew up a commercial fisherman. I made myself oatmeal at three o'clock in the morning, and on the back of it, it had a little guy lifting weights, like a silhouette of a guy with a smiley face lifting weights, and it said, "The best exercise is to reach down and lift someone up." This was many, many years ago. Now, the point of that whole thing is this: it's about gratitude. I've been a very lucky man. I've been blessed. I'm the result of great family and friends and nothing more. And so all I can do in life is to take the great thing that my God gave me, fitness, training, and do my best to give a little bit back to everybody else. So whatever it is you're great at, share it That's and, and give it to some other people. That's, that's the, it's on a packet of oatmeal changing me for the rest of my life. Wow. Wow. You guys have good advice. I can't really, yeah. Advice, well, I did Jenny Craig right after that. Don't <laughs> yeah, just don't worry about it. Now, interestingly, Steve Maraboli did a quote that kind of mirrored that, and it was quoted by the Pope, if I'm not mistaken. The Pope. Yeah. Sure. Is that? I still can't get over that. that the, the, this guy's been quoted by the, the big. Best. Yeah. The best. Yeah. The big guy. Ray Longo. Advice. I, I'm going to give you something funny. Not not funny, Great. but uh, very interesting. I, as a young kid, I remember if something happened, but. Uh, a buddy of mine, Mike Zborowski, had one of those crazy uncles. We were 12, 
No more than 12, 11 to 12. So I don't know what the hell the guy was talking about, but he was probably about 25. And I remember him grabbing us and going, let me tell you something, you guys. You guys ever get married? Now, we're 12. When he goes, when you get married, he goes, I don't care what you do. Every Wednesday night, even if you have nothing to do, I want you to get in that car, go down the block, and just park it there for two hours. Now, this is telling us to a couple of 12-year-olds, right? <laughs> but his point was that when you go into a marriage, change is the worst thing. So it's like if you think you're going to be married for four years and you decide to start playing cards, you're not getting out of the house. I think that's <laughs> where he was coming from. So his point was start it off. I don't, if you have that's no right, card game like, to go to, that's a great go and thing. sit in the car in for a two hours. Now, to pretend you're for doing people something. that are not married, that might not make sense. <laughs> And, of course, That's for uh, Mr. White Picket Fence, who <laughs> loves his wife and all her, you know, it's not going to make sense. Uh, because you know what, you know what happens? Is he, what, we're not, what we're missing is Jean Marie gets in the car, and she goes and, she and goes. Goes. Right. <laughs> That's the part she we're goes, missing. Absolutely. But uh, I, not, I thought it was uh, interesting advice because how young we were. But I got to tell you, I never forgot that. It stuck with you. you know. But yeah. my old man was always big on you hang out with criminals, you're going to be a criminal. So right. hang out with the right crowd. And he beat that to me as, you know. And, well, you, know. you get a, you get a lot of advice when it comes from people who have been married. It's it's uh, it's the idea. Of, I remember reading the dialogues of Plato, because I'm that much fun, and and they would, Plato, one of his uh, one of his students was going to get married, and he said, uh, Yeah, yeah, go get married, man, go get married. Listen, if you marry the right one, you're going to be happy for the rest of your life, and if you marry the wrong one. You'll become a philosopher. <laughs> and so there's a lot of philosophy around marriage. Uh, and for me, uh, Jessica, thank you so much. Shout out to all Long Islanders and everyone listening. Uh, for me, it's, it's about participation. Jessica, if I've ever learned anything, it's about acting upon things. I was, I was raised, uh, if we're bringing up kids' stories, where I noticed this to be true. I, my parents are Italian and Chilean, so I have two things. One, I can't stand still while I talk. And number two, I was raised Catholic. And so when, when you go to these churches, I remember uh, listening to the priest say stuff like, if, if, uh, if, if you're in financial problems, if you finances, listen, what you need to do is, is pray. And the windows of abundance shall be opened unto ye. Uh, but Jessica, pay attention, behavior speaks. Then they hand out a basket. Because they know, wait a second, wait a second. If I need money, if I need help, I have to pray in the windows of abundance open unto ye. But you know if you need money, you better hand out that fucking basket. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but I think so, what he was telling you was to steal from the <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So I learned, Jessica, from a young age that th so many things are beautiful and life can be beautiful, majestic, and poetic. But you have to be it to see it. So no matter what you want in your be life, Jessica, what right. you want for your relationships, for your family, for your health, you have to participate in the creation of that. We, uh, whatever you are spiritually, you are that whether you believe it or not. But what we do absolutely know is that you are in a three-dimensional, actually multi-dimensional world, and that you are subject to the laws of physics. If you want to create something, you have to be it. You have to be it to see it. If I give any advice ever, is to participate. Dream, plan, execute. Yeah. Oh, I love nice. that. I get chills. The great marable. And let's yeah, not forget, floss really after every meal. That's, That's really huge. <laughs>